0: Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here is your guide on this journey. Car Wash Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Matt DeWolf. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Car Wash the Podcast, the podcast that makes you a better car washer and a slightly better human being. Hey everybody, this is Matt, and in today's episode, we're talking with Luke Bathel from Rinse and Ride in Arizona. Luke owns five locations, and while he'd love to keep growing the business, and I have no doubt that he will, this is not a story about that kind of growth. For Luke, the passion comes in cultivating the Rinse and Ride team. He comes at the business with a mission to serve and to lift people up, and to provide practical skills to those who work at Rinse and Ride to help make their lives better. It's all about culture and community here, friends, a culture focused on things like providing financial literacy programs to team members and planting gardens at the washes to help provide access to healthy foods. Here's a recent conversation with Luke Bathel from Car Wash Magazine Live, episode 58. Now, in the flesh, we've got Luke Bathel joining us. Luke, welcome. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Glad to be here. Hey, you know, I love what's going on there with the mural that we see in there, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but before we get into all that and what you're doing in the kind of community side and and what you're doing to create culture, can you just kind of share with everyone your path into car washing and how you got here?
1: Sure. Uh, It's kind of a longer story, but for our purposes here today, can hit the high points, but yeah, backgrounds, commercial real estate. So building office, industrial buildings, buying land, doing things of that sort, and back in 2011 and started an investment company I was doing that and it was great but it lacked it was just me i didn't have any employees i had a lot of people in third parties and stuff like that i missed having a team and kind of collaboration and all that process and so you know in 2014 we had our second daughter and uh, my wife and i spent a lot of time with an organization called young life and as we kind of looked at the company we'd built it was great but it wasn't providing much free time for us we weren't able to give back to many employees or things of that sort, so started looking at different businesses. Came across car washing and actually at first glance didn't like it. <laughs> Thought it kind of looked like a restaurant. I was looking at a full service model and I was like, man, there's just stuff going on everywhere here. No thanks. And then came across the express model and started to enjoy that. Started to poke around, mapping all the competition out. Kind of came up with a business plan, if you will, and then traveled around to find some people that are a lot smarter than I am in the industry and kind of had them test some of my assumptions and financial models. And so come back home and tell my wife said, Hey, you know, I think this has legs and I think it'd be a lot of fun. So we prayed about it. This was a Sunday night, Monday morning, one of the banks that I had bought a lot of properties from in my previous company calls me and says, Hey, listen, this is way out of left field, but you wouldn't happen to be interested in car washes, would you? And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. So I go out and I look at it and it's not a car wash. It's like a, used to be a car wash a long time ago. It's just, you know, it was an acre of land. And so I called them and said, Hey, you, you know, you don't really have a car wash. You have some land here. And they said, well, what would you be willing to buy it for? And I kind of joked and told them a small amount over the phone. And they said, okay, great. Can you close in two weeks? And I was like, oh, wow. And so uh, then it was, you know, how do you, how do you fund it, right? Like I've built a lot of stuff, but not car washes. And so getting financing was not going to be possible. So approached one of my existing investors at the time and told the story and within 20 minutes, they said, hey, listen, always wanted to do this. We're all in. We'll fund the acquisition and the development and let's do it. Okay. So that was on Tuesday. And now we get to Thursday and I'm sitting next to my consultant at the time and we're interviewing some people to run the wash because I've never, never run one of these before. And I happened to be wearing a Young Life shirt. And the two gentlemen that we're interviewing look at it and they go, hey, you, you do stuff with Young Life. And I said, yeah, you know, and we ended up talking about that for about a half an hour. And they said, you know, well, we grew up without a father and that organization really took care of us when we needed them. And then my consultant leans back in his chair and he goes, you got to be kidding me. And I was like, what? He goes, I started building car washes because I wanted to volunteer more for Young Life. And so so that was the span of Sunday through Thursday. That is not typical, by the way. It's not as though I've got a two-way radio to God (laughs) by any means. So when this did happen, it was like, okay, well, we better do something about this. So we built our first one and there's a lot of cool ripple effect stories as to how the rest of them came about. And that's how it all started back in 2014, approximately.
0: Well, that's quite the leap, my friend. I mean, you went from, you went from, nah, I don't, I don't know about that to <laughs> to full speed ahead in like a week's time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there, the part that was left out a little bit was there's probably about a year gap of kind of research and due diligence prior to that prayer, if you will, that was really just getting to know.
0: Yeah, it's a more fun story if you just say, yeah, I just, it took me a week to build a car wash.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I figured it all out in one week, no problem. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's easy. This business is easy, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anybody can do it. Yeah, famous last words, right? Okay, so you've always come at it from a place of like people, right? And for you, you were saying that you wanted to get into a business, you missed having a team, you wanted to build that up. What is it for you that makes that kind of work or what makes it important in the car wash environment?
1: I've always been passionate about culture, and I think that's becoming more relevant, much more so today than even four or five years ago. Because what you're seeing, obviously, is the aggregation, which is not a new business strategy, right? This happens across all real estate sectors when there's a lot of fragmentation. So so we're seeing that everywhere. But inevitably, when you see that, and you see a loss of culture and identity, and those tend to suffer at locations and, you know, great car washes that had a really local feel to them, they had, you know, great culture get taken over in large swaths, and a lot of times we'll lose that. And so I think the importance right now is just continuing to focus on that, and having that be something that separates us. And it's, not trying to hijack or short circuit that process, right? A lot of people will go into it and say, you know, we'll we'll add a ping pong table, we'll cater lunch on Fridays, we'll, uh, hey, guess what, casual Thursdays. That's neat, but you can still have a toxic culture and environment and provide all those things. So it's, you know, I think we'll get into it more later, but how do we holistically approach this business to serve our customers And specifically our employees with all the stuff that they're facing. And so that's been a really fun challenge and strategy.
0: Yeah, we're going to come back to that in just a second. I want to come back to right now, something you said about that local feel, right? I know that's important to you. You're local to the area where you are building up your organization here. What is it about that local business, that local vibe that's important? And then how are you kind of pushing that forward?
1: Sure. So I think everybody enjoys shopping and doing things local and supporting people that they know and trust. Right. So we we take it to more than just marketing. Right. So it's what you see on site. It's, you know, with the mural, it's the local artist. We have an employee garden. Our gardener is local to the Arizona market, and that's the only one in which they serve our strategic partnerships with Title IX schools that we help to try and get money or places where we do market and do cross marketing to fundraisers, you know, it's the schools within a three mile radius, it's children's cancer network, that's a mile away from our Chandler Wash, it's kind of encompasses, again, all angles of what we do from the local side. And I think that's helping while the market is becoming less local.
0: I love the garden concept, because that's such an important piece. We're going to come to that in just a minute. But let's talk about the mural a little bit. Because those of you who got to see the couple of clips that we showed in that tour, you saw this big giant wall full of all these inspirational kind of sayings. And it's one thing to go do that and have a big blank wall and like, you slap your membership offer on it, right? Well, okay, great. Well, that's all about you. Or you slap up, uh, you know, some promotion. Well, that's still about you. You guys with this mural project, you wanted to really engage the community in that. Can you talk about how, how you guys kind of made the community part of that process?
1: Absolutely. And you hit on a good point at the beginning. Most of what we do, we try to make very little, if anything at all, is going to be about us, whether it be in marketing or stuff that we do on site. We're trying to make the heroes be our customers and our employees. And so, again, we're looking at this massive wall, right? You know, probably 50 feet wide by 20 feet tall. And, you know, we thought about a logo. We thought about, oh, you know, memberships. But we're like, you know, in large part, who cares, right? <laughs> As you drive by that and you see it, it's not very interesting. It doesn't add a whole lot of value to the community. And then we you know, went down the road of, well, maybe we should do something Arizona centric. Let's make it about the four seats, you know, copper, cattle, cotton, and citrus. And, you know, we got pretty excited about that idea. And then again, we kind of got to the point where we started talking to some of our customers and we kind of found who cares. (laughs) And so, you know, then we got into, okay, well, what about statements? And we started rolling with that idea, you know, truth statements that regardless of your creed or religion or identity, these are, these are just true. These add value to anybody's day, regardless of where you're at in your life. And so, we started assembling some of our favorite statements as a company and and got our management team involved. And then we're kind of set and we're like, hey, you know, let's go find a local artist. But then we thought about it and we go, well, that's, that's still kind of about us. Those are our statements. So then what we did is we took it one step further and we said, what if we did a Facebook survey? We targeted all of our customers within the three mile radius and let them know that we were doing it. like, hey, here's all these statements, you know, 20 or 30 of them. Why don't you vote on your 10 favorite? Because that's what we can fit on this wall. And that way it's about you and what you like and not about us. And by the way, if you want to add statements to it, do that. And those can get voted on as well. So we did that, had a lot of buy-in, which was great. And found our 10 statements that way.
0: I love that extra step, right? It would have been really easy to feel like you were doing something really like positive and good for the community without ever asking the community, you know, for their input. And you're right. Like that's almost there but it still was going to be about you at the end of the day, because that was your stuff. I love that approach. Talk to me about this garden. Like, why did you do a garden? And what does that do for your kind of employees and like their kind of mindset? What's
1: the deal there? Started off with my wife and I actually wanting one in our backyard and getting introduced to a local organic gardener. And my wife's like, yeah, I'd love to have this in our backyard. And we didn't really have room for it. And I was like, you know what? Well, where we do have room is our car washes, and as we started to think about that, we kind of fell in love with the idea because, you know, probably not unlike a lot of other car wash operators out there, our employment base is probably not eating a whole lot of organic. And to that extent, it's expensive, it's tough to find. What do you do with it? And so we called this lady in, said, "Hey, listen, can you meet me at a car wash?" And she's like, "Well, what? why? Why would I go to a car wash?" And I was like, "Okay, hey, trust me, just come here." here's our thought or vision, let's create instead of two beds, why don't we do eight beds here, we'll have you come in, kind of take care of it. And then this will be a benefit to our employees as a part of being a part of the organization. And we'll plant the things that they want to plant that they can take home. We'll see how it goes. So that was about a year ago. And it's been great to see. I mean, a lot of the employees are watching it. They want to help out with what's being grown. And, you know, we're also learning as we go, because we were, you know, we'll do harvests and give the employees the bags of organic, you know, vegetables and everything else. And then inevitably the questions came back like, well, A, what is this? And B, what what do I do with it? Like, how do I cook this? <laughs> so we're like, we're like, oh, that's, that's a good point. We're most of the way there, but we kind of, you know, unintended consequence of like, how do you do that? So So now we're trying to take that one step further and include, you know, some recipes and be like, Hey, here's, this is a squash and (laughs) here's what good goes well with this. And here's how you cook it. And so the goal is now is to start rolling those out to other properties. And part of it was just learning like how much food does eight beds produce? It's been really fun. And the employees and our team loves it and has my in and, and kind of helps out where they can there. That's
0: crazy. Who knew, who knew that the perfect place to grow food is at the car wash. Yeah. <laughs> hey, talk to me a little bit about the other things that you're doing from a culture perspective, because you were touching on it a little bit there with, you know, some of the socioeconomic backgrounds of the folks that are working at, you know, some of the locations and and are often kind of frontline workers in the car wash industry. There's the meal piece that you kind of touched on and the food scarcity and the expense of that. You're also doing some stuff around financial literacy. Talk about that a little bit. I think that's really important.
1: Sure. So again, I think it goes back to this holistic approach, you know, you can call it holistic care for the employees. You know, again, we're not unlike any other car wash that our people go through some pretty difficult stuff on a weekly basis. And, you know, a lot of the comments that we would continue to hear is, hey, I'm having a hard time paying for this or having a hard time paying for that, kind of regardless of where they're at on the pay spectrum. And, you know, I think a lot of our people come from single parent households and some from broken homes and just were never taught a lot of the stuff that some of us were afforded the ability to learn about and know through education. So we hadn't really found the platform that we liked. So we wanted to build out something that wouldn't be a threat for our employees to do on their own time. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can, you can say, Hey, we're going to offer this Dave Ramsey course. And you go to it and it's five hours to stay five hours. One, they don't have the time for it. And two, a lot of them don't want to be exposed to admit that they don't know something. So we're in the process of building out a software that will hit on a lot of the, topics that our people struggle with. And so the first one that we've tackled is financial literacies. It's an app-based system on their phone and on their computers, and they can learn about what is the value in in understanding a budget. And then there's always a section on a now what section, right? Like you can believe that budgeting is a good thing or that mental health is a good thing, but now what? What's the next functional step of actually? And then that next step is actually creating their budget and the system walking them through creating their first one and how to, to watch it and how to engage with that budget with their, their household. And so that was the first of many sections that we're working on getting to because that typically is one of the biggest conversations that we have on site is around financial literacy. And now it's quickly transitioning to you know mental health, especially with the onset of COVID was, okay, how are we, how are we handling anxiety and depression? How are we speaking to that? How are we divorced? Just the myriad of topics. That come up on a weekly basis, how do we actually respond to that aside from just telling people, "Hey, let us poke around or and you know this kind of leads into, and let me know if I'm getting ahead of myself here oh, you're good, you're good. This gets into our chaplain program. so when we were a smaller company, myself and a couple others talked to our employees on a pretty regular basis, and we were able to speak into their lives and walk through difficult times with them. but as we've grown, it's just not possible. To a certain extent, inherently there was some conflicts of interest in that, right? You know, because if an employee is talking to their site manager, they're talking to me, and they're sharing some really tough stuff in their life, and you know, a few weeks later, for whatever reason, they may have to be let go, they may say, "Well, well, that's because I, I shared something something tough with you." And you know, the site manager may say, "Well, no, that's because you did no call, no show four times in a row." You know, so <laughs> it was it was a little bit of of trying to solve that as well. So. You know, probably about a year and a half, two years ago, we brought on a couple of different chaplains. They visit the sites, I think, every other week, get to know the team. And it's one of those programs that gets better over time because they're essentially earning the right to be heard. No one wants to open up to somebody that they just met. So this chaplain organization that we use, again, is app-based. They can reach them on their phones, but they're trained. You know, most of them come from military chaplain background. So they've walked through very difficult stuff with people that are in the armed forces. But it also gives them a safe place to talk about this where they can't actually share anything that is discussed with anybody on property, right? So you've gotten rid of the conflict of interest. And they're trained on this, you know, so much of our site managers and assistant site managers time we see on a weekly basis is engaging with the rest of their team on very Personal stuff that's tough for them. And that's not necessarily an inherently bad thing, but they're not trained for that. That's not their field. And they also don't have the resources to tell that person where to take the next step. So it takes up a lot of time on site and it doesn't really help the person going through the tough life circumstance very much. And, you know, I've heard some organizations and people say, well, you know, you just keep your personal life at home. And, it, you know, when you get to work, you just put on your work hat. And anybody that has a functional company knows that's BS. Anyone going through a really tough life circumstance, it's going to affect your work and what you do in one way, shape or another. You may be able to compartmentalize that for a short amount of time, but that's not a real healthy strategy over the long term.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, Luke, what I'm hearing really come out of all of this is that, and we talk about this a lot in this program, but if you put the people first and you put the needs of your people first creating culture is really not that challenging. I mean, we're talking today, we talked about a garden program, we talked about a mural on the site instead of, you know, putting up marketing materials that kind of helps people kind of feel better and feel good about the place that they come to work and the impact that that's having. And then this concept of just giving people the resources that they need from financial literacy to mental health, all these kinds of things, really I think at the end of the day show that you guys care about your people. And I'm thankful that there are people like you in the industry. I think that there are a lot of us who are working it that way. And so I just want to say congratulations on the success so far.
1: Yeah, thanks. And, you know, I'd love to see this turn into a longer, you know, by no means do we think we're the best at this either, right? There's probably companies that are far beyond what we're accomplishing. and, And I'd love to see more collaboration within the industry. You know, we connect with a couple other operators and talk about this stuff, but I think, this is, you know, again, only that much more important in a post-COVID environment. And we'd love to hear from other operators that are doing and care for their teams the same way. And, you know, I'm not in this to try and reinvent the wheel. You know, if someone's got something they're doing great, it let's reapply and vice versa. We're a pretty open book on what we're doing and, and how we can implement those same strategies at other locations. So I'm going to be at the Southwest show if anybody wants to talk there or they can obviously find my contact information probably through you in the show notes. But yeah, I'd love to see this become a bigger conversation and dialogue going forward.
0: Well, hey, Luke, I'm gonna let you get back to the business of washing cars and building culture. I appreciate you having me on here, this is a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. Hey guys, watching at home, if you want more stories like that and you want more tips and tricks and ideas for inspiration, you can watch all the episodes of Car Wash Magazine live at carwashmagazine.com or on YouTube. Or you know, if you wanna just like scroll through Facebook all day, you can do that too and you can watch them there. Everything is there for you to see. If you've got a story that we need to tell or a great idea, let me know at mdewolf.carwash.org. Otherwise, guys, gals, when you're out there, keep it clean. Thanks for listening to this episode of Car Wash the Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. We can't do this without your support. And as always, if there's a story you think we need to tell, you can send those to mdewolf.carwash.org. Hey, when you're out there, keep it clean. Car Wash, the podcast, is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.